Hey guys, and welcome back to another series of the boring shit you need to know in business. I'm Amy Bajada, and I'm excited because this series, there's going to be more topics, more conversation, and some amazing business owners to share this time with. So let's jump in. Today, I'm sitting down with the lovely M Sparrow of M Sparrow Designs. M is a website designer and digital marketer. Hailed from Canada, M left business school behind to move to Australia and build a business that aligns with an ocean view lifestyle. She helps female-led businesses build custom web solutions and helps her clients scale to six-figure businesses. With a passion for websites and a flair for functionality, M creates solutions that support ease and growth for her clients. Hi, Em, and thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm a longtime admirer and follower of your work. Tech is certainly not my thing. But before we get into that, I'd love to know more about how you got into the business of website design and digital marketing. Yeah, definitely. So I actually worked in uh, corporate Sydney for the first three or first couple years of I was in Australia and um, I was a, a client manager and we had hired another agency to build a website for us. And they built us a Squarespace website for $20,000. And wow, I was, like, I was like, this is something I can do. This sounds awesome. 20K for a, a Squarespace website. And so I, I jumped in and I actually, um, at the time I had to, I had some visa issues. And so it was kind of just a, a spur of the moment jump in. I had to move to Bali for three weeks and uh, I lost my Australian heart. Yeah. So horrible. <laughs> I started my business. I had to leave the country. I started it in Bali while I was there. And then I just jumped head in at like head first in because I didn't have an Australian visa until 2020 when we came back during COVID. So it was just kind of like a it happened and it just kind of roller coastered from there. Can I ask? So you're in corporate Sydney. Can I ask yeah. what you were doing? So obviously it wasn't necessarily your base of skill set. So tell me, what were you doing in corporate Sydney? Yeah. So I was a client manager for a a finance broking firm. Oh, that Um, would have been fun. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I used to joke. I was, um, I worked for a finance company, but I was terrible at math. (laughs) And the thing is, I can say that being an accountant, we are in a boring space that is. Yeah. Okay. So client management. So that would certainly translate very well into what you're doing right now. Yeah. So I started with the company. It was actually um, me and another broker and his um, business partner. And we merged and ended up being one of the top broking companies in Sydney. But I started with him when he was just, it was just him. And then we grew into that, that role. And so I was his like right-hand man. We were, I was pretty much running his business for him in the background. And that's where I got a lot of understanding around like the onboarding process and setting up systems and just the back end of running a business. I definitely got a lot of experience through there. So how did he feel when you took off on your new adventure? He was happy for me. I mean, in my initial interview, they asked where I'm going to be in five years. And I said, I'm starting my own business. Like I knew, I always knew I was going to work for myself. Um, and that's why I really uh, was attracted to the role in the first place is because he was his own business and I wanted to learn how it all ran. So it wasn't unexpected, but they were definitely upset when I broke the news. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. 
So tell me about the world of web design for you. You know, we we talk a lot as business owners in relation to whether a website is important. You know, there's this real struggle, for, especially for smaller business owners, when they have so many other platforms available to them. You know, they talk about or people talk about the fact that you can use or you can catapult off of just Facebook. You don't need a website. You can put all your details, you know, on Facebook and Instagram and become more flexible in us having all our services listed. So tell me just that underlying foundation that you perceive in terms of website and the importance of it for a small business owner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I definitely think it's obviously I'm a web designer. I think it's very important for a uh, small business to have them, but I don't necessarily think it's important for a new business owner to come to a web designer first thing. Um, I usually find someone who's just starting out. It's really great for them to use those easier, easier tools. I'm sure you've heard of Wix. I'm sure you've heard of Squarespace. I really prefer it when someone has gone and just done the DIY route and, and just built something, you know, just to get started, I think is really important. Um, it's really important to have a base outside of social media. Obviously we've seen what's been happening in the social media world, how things have been changing and things move, move very, very quickly. So obviously, Obviously, it's really important to have your email list. It's really important to have a website, but you don't necessarily have to come to a web designer when you're just starting out. Right. But that's good advice because I think that it becomes such an overwhelming process for many. And I think it's really good that if they have done that themselves, they then see the value and whatever it is that they're getting from that to then come on to speak to someone like yourself. So, even before that, um, or before coming to you, when they're planning a website for themselves, potentially, or thinking about the steps of getting started in that area of their business, what advice do you have or what questions should they ask themselves when they're putting together their thoughts around their website? Mm -hmm. So the reason why I always recommend someone to DIY is because usually when they're building like a proper website that's going to last them, you know, five, 10 years going on. It's really important. They have a basic understanding of just their marketing as a whole. So the first question I usually ask is mapping out your offer. Mm -hmm. And really, this is for the service providers, really choosing your hero offer, because that's going to be what's, uh, you know, all your main call to action should be going to that hero offer. And then having your secondary offers there, really having uh, mapped out what your offers are. The next thing is your ideal client. And the biggest objection I have whenever I tell someone to pick an ideal client is that they say that they don't want to just work with this person. And that's fine. It's important to pick an ideal client so that you know who you're speaking to. We've all been to that website where it's speaking to everyone and it's just that boring corporate drag like it's really not fun so it's really important that you understand who your ideal client is you're picking out that person so we know who your website and all your your marketing is directed to and then the final thing is really understanding what your business goals are and then how your website ties into that to make sure that you're actually reaching a, a successful business I recall one of your posts talking about the fact that your website is actually not for you Mm-hmm. It's not about you or essentially not about you. It's got to speak to your audience. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think that would also lay down some of those foundations when they're thinking, when anyone's thinking about what their website look, feel, and all those questions that they've got to answer. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? 
Mm -hmm. So yeah, that definitely, that comes down to your copy for sure. A little bit uh, on the design, but usually that's the main hole I find definitely when I'm doing website audits of existing businesses or jumping in and building a new website. Uh, it's really important that you understand your client's pain points and their objections before they even come to your website. So um, really speaking to them and, and speaking to what they need is really important, but also making sure that the process throughout your website is really, really easy. I find that when I'm building websites or I, I stumble upon someone's website, we tend to talk a bit about us, put things on there that maybe aren't important to your client, but are important to, to yourself. You know, it really makes you feel important. Sometimes I see it when people put outbound links to random websites that they find helpful, but maybe is a little bit confusing for the client. So it's really important to really hone down on, this comes down to what is going to make your business successful, because usually that has something to do with, you know, making the process really easy for your client and speaking to what your client actually wants. I often find that any conversation I'm having with small business owners, when especially when they're thinking about their ideal client, is there's this real disconnect between their perceived understanding of what their ideal client needs because, you know, they get that information from what they're delivering to their clients and quite often their clients don't know what they don't know until they come to them, especially in the service industry. They don't know until that point. So if a client, if your ideal client doesn't actually understand what they don't know and what they don't need, are you still able to include that as part of your copy, even though it might seem a little disjointed to the user experience, but is such an integral part of your process as a business owner? Yeah. So that's why it's really important at one point in your business that you've done a little bit of market research and mm -hmm. spoken to your existing clients that you already have. I usually, at least in my own business, I'm speaking to my clients or potential clients at least once a year and just getting on a call and asking them, especially and touching on what you just said, uh, speaking to your existing clients and being like, how did I change? Like, what did you not know before you came to me? And adding that somewhere on the website and something that you, even if you're, you're providing a service, you may not even realize the kind of differences you're making in your clients' lives until you have those actual conversations. I love that question. Like just having to say to somebody, what did you not know that you now know because we've worked together? That really fills a huge gap for so many people, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Having it's, it's so important and it's really, it's kind of like a confidence boost. It's a bit yeah. <laughs> like pumping your own tires, having those conversations with your clients, because it really, it lights a fire underneath you if you know yeah. the difference you're making, but it's also, it, it just makes such a world of difference. Someone coming to your website and they're seeing someone who's just like them and you've made a difference. It's really important to talk about that because they don't care about the deliverables. They don't care what they're going to get out of it. Um, they care about the results that you're, you're going to get, the difference you're making in their lives. Yeah. And as a business owner, you require that validation because you want to know where to put your energy. You know, if, if you're thinking that this part of your business is driving the most sales and yet more people are getting value out of X as opposed to Y, it's really great to listen to your customer. So just on that, you talked about having your primary objective in terms of your sale that is going to make or your biggest offer. Tell me what makes a profitable website then. If, if we're going to target in on your biggest offer, how does that then look and what 
creates a profitable website? How can we use that? Okay. So I guess there's two, there's two things when it comes to being a, there's three, three of my top reasons why, um, what makes a profitable website. And the first two really have nothing to do with me. (laughs) The first first one is your photos. Like your photos are so important. It's usually the first thing that I, I notice or anyone notices when they come to your website or your photos, right? It's what's catching everyone's attention. The next thing, what we've talked about is your copy. It's really important that your copy is speaking to your client. And honestly, I I have a lot of people that uh, do try to DIY. And that's probably the one thing, if you can do anything is a copywriter um, to get an outside voice coming in and, and just touching on that, what we talked about with that market research and having someone looking in. Uh, when I first wrote, was writing for my website, we we sat down and we I thought that the reason someone would come to me was to make more money, to be more profitable. Like I thought money would be the top forefront. And actually the reason that most people come to me is because of all the time that I saved them. That was where I was making a difference in my, my clients' lives and money is a part of it, but time was, was a really big reason. So yeah. So the, the first two things, so photos, your copy. And then the third thing is your site speed is really, really important for the user experience. Once we have those three things, then we can start looking at things like the design. So making sure that it's Again, really, really easy for someone to get around your website. Usually recommend three clicks or less to make, you know, that final decision. Things like just making sure there's there's flow between everything. Uh, I find big chunks of text really, really hard to consume, making sure that there's flow, easy to find call to actions, just really, really simple things like that. Keep it, keep it simple. Usually is what makes a website really successful. You talked about site speed, again, being so non-tech. What does that mean? Yeah, so I can send you a link or if you want to drop a link, but there's a website called GT Metrics is usually the best. There's a few different sites for this, but usually your website should be running at about three seconds or less unless you're a website that's got a lot going on. Um, Sometimes you can get away with a bit more. uh, But loadability? Loading. Load up. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Three seconds to load. So usually someone's not going to wait around past that. It's really important. You have to remember people are, if they're making a buying decision, they're finding uh, someone to either connect with or buy from. They're flipping through a lot of websites. People have really short attention spans. I'm so guilty of that. If something's not there, I'm just like, move on next. What was that other thing I saw? Just keep moving forward. Yeah. Exactly. So it's really important that we keep it, you know, really, really fast. And how, what contributes to that? Can I ask what sorts of things might either contribute to it being slow or assist it in being a little faster? Yeah. Yeah. GT metrics with an X is really, really great.com because they give you a full report of what's slowing down your website. So if you're, if your website is having issues, you can actually click and see. Usually the main culprits are uh, your photos your photos are really, really heavy and they haven't been optimized and your hosting is a really big part of it. Usually uh, I'm in the process of moving a client's hosting over from crazy domains. GoDaddy also is a bit of a struggle. Uh, HostGator as well. You have to be really, really careful with these uh, hosting providers that are really commercial because they're trying to fit as many websites onto one server as possible. And so you're 
constantly competing with different websites to make your website run fast. So usually I recommend uh, like SiteGround, Flywheel to be, make sure that your website, uh, it's, it's tend to, it tends to be what other designers and developers recommend just because they don't have as many server, as many websites on one server. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Too much traffic going in one direction. Exactly. (laughs) I know that just going to work, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So mapping your customer flow, when you you work with your customers, Mm -hmm. how do you work with them? Like when you go through this process with them, how do you map out what they need? First things first is we jump on a strategy call and the first strategy call is literally just talking about your business. So we're mapping out your offer, your ideal client, what makes your business successful. And usually that's broken down into two things. So that's either you want to spend less time in your business or you want to make more money. And it's really, really important. We identify where you're having snags in either process. So if you want to save more time in your business, where are you spending the most time or where are you losing leads where you're having to spend more time in your marketing? So mm-hmm. it's really important. We, we sit down and think about that. If it's money that you want, we need to sit down and think, okay, what's your goal? How much money do you actually want to make in your business? Okay. The offer you have or the product you're selling, are you going to be able to make that? We have to, you know, get down to the. Yeah. I'm all about numbers. I'm yeah. so support that. So support yeah. that. So it's really important that we actually understand if our business can make yeah. what we set our goals to, and then sitting down and making sure that our, you know, we're we're cutting costs where we can, but also our leads that are coming in, we're not losing them in any step of the way. So the onboarding process, or even just on the website. So that's why it's also really important that we're tracking our success along the way. So we also talk about that as well. Yeah. So those first two calls, we're usually jumping into those kind of things before we even jump into the build, because it's really important to have a full understanding of all of that before jumping in. Yeah. And the build's probably the easy part for you guys. (laughs) After understanding all of that about a business, the build you probably be able to do in your sleep, no doubt. (laughs) We've talked a lot about your website part of your business. Tell me a little bit more about your digital marketing side. Yeah. So, well, usually it comes down to those, those pieces of it. So just Mm -hmm. the, I guess that's a big part of it is just that, that those strategy calls are usually the part of my digital marketing part. So tracking the success, I guess, just talking about that. So like tracking the actual success of your website, we, we do look at that as well. So, you know, what tools are we going to use along the way, just how we're going to track it. So whether it's, you know, Google analytics or your, your socials, how much um, clicks you're getting. Uh, that kind of thing. I usually, I usually only focus on that, like really, and then onto the website building. Well, it's a really, I think it's really important, you know, from a digital marketing perspective to be able to have that landing point and know that when they do land directly in the right spot, that you've got all that, those wheels turning correctly in the background anyway. So having your leads, like you said, having your, your primary call to actions all mapped out and very easily found that contributes to that whole digital marketing, mm-hmm. I guess, ease, I think, from business owners. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty much that's a main, those those calls are really where we're mapping out your digital marketing strategy because your website has a big piece of it. Your website is pretty much like the home of your business. Mm-hmm. It's the key to your business. So it's really important that we're planning exactly how everything is going to connect to it all and then building the website. Because if we're just building you something, you know, pretty looks good, but is it really working with the rest of your marketing avenues? We need to make sure that it's all connected. Yeah. 
I was going to ask you what, given that everyone's website should actually essentially be very different because everyone's going to have a different motivation. They're going to want to show or demonstrate different areas and they've all got different types of, to some degree, there's going to be a variation of their ideal customer. What's the one thing you think every single website should have if there is one? One thing I I really think almost every business should be building their email list. I know that every single digital marketer is probably pounding it into us, but hundred percent. That's all I hear. (laughs) Definitely a hot topic, but I do think it is important. Maybe it comes down to getting a bit more creative. I mean, we've all seen in the Facebook groups people pounding us with the you know three tips to. Oh, that's me. Lead magnet, yeah, lead magnet too. after lead magnet. You know, yeah. I must admit though, whilst it is an opportunity for me to reach my ideal customer and if I put them on my email list, I like to provide more value and have some additional pieces of resources. I hate the term lead magnet because it does, it goes straight to that whole, oh, she's just trying to get me on her email list and I really can't be bothered being on another email because I don't want to get it. I genuinely love creating free resources where I can just hit the nail on the head very, very quickly, provide some real value that's easy to understand and that people can hit the ground running. And I I really do love doing that. But I also know that because there's this real shift with social media that people just roll their eyes whenever they see this sort of thing, how else you do that you know what I mean like how else do you reach people yeah I I don't think I don't think there's a real hate for it I think ever I think if someone is subscribing to your mailing list it's because they want to be there mm. or or it's so easy to unsubscribe if you I mean we, we've all have it where we yeah. keep something free and then they unsubscribe right away I don't think that's the main objection coming from anyone I guess the only thing is, is if we're creating all this free stuff and you're really struggling to get people to jump on those lead magnets. I mean, maybe if you have some great content, those PDFs are enough, but I know a lot of people, they struggle, they get to thinking, oh, I can't create a lead magnet and I've tried it and no one wants to download it. Maybe it's just worth trying something else, whether that's doing free reviews where you're getting a few, you know, hotter leads coming through mm-hmm. or having, um, you know, webinars, videos, anything like that. Those are so seem to be kind of hotter ways to create lead magnets Yeah. Nothing with the PDF. I have, I have a PDF and I love it and it's mm-hmm. got so much information in it. And I, in my, whoever downloads it gets a ton of value. And usually if they're there, they, they do want to hang out and, and read my emails. I, I don't think yet there's a, a, as long as you're not spamming your list and you're really smart in the way you're showing up, I don't think there's a ton of ob- objections for it. Well, I hope not. <laughs> I'm about to delve into the world of webinars a lot more than I have because I've done a few in the past and they've done very, very well. But my biggest problem is I just give away too much. Like I just keep going and <laughs> I can't stop. So, but uh, you know, as long as everyone's getting value out of it, that's, I guess, the main thing. Can I ask you, how long have you been in business now for? Uh, how long have I been? I think like just over three years. Yeah, I yeah. went out on my own. What was the one piece of advice you would have loved to have known when you started out in business, but that you had to find out on your own? Probably taking a step back would be the main thing. 
uh, when I first started my business, actually, I mean, I had been working in my business while working for someone else for a while. And then when I jumped, but when I jumped, I was in Bali for those three weeks and I actually uh, got really, really sick when I was over there. I was sitting in a restaurant and I felt like I was losing my, like I was, I couldn't see anything. Like I was, I, I hadn't had any alcohol, but it felt like I had been drugged and I started yeah. to panic and um, they took me to a hospital, which was like, you know, Bali, like oh, yeah. <laughs> I was in the waiting room laying on the little couch and they hooked me up to the air and I'd actually had vertigo and it was from oh. stress. Yeah. So I struggled in the first uh, probably two years of my business with vertigo. So complete blackouts, a memory loss. So it continued uh, even long yeah, and did. because of that association with stress. Yeah. So we, uh, we were in Bali right before COVID hit. The reason we came home was because I had had these routes and I was coming to home to get testing. I spent about 5k in, in testing for um, seeing what I had, I went to the best neurosurgeon in Sydney and they came down and it was just stress. It was just putting too much stress on myself, working too many hours. And it was really, it was a hard, hard hitting. I almost Mm. wanted to have something wrong so that it was like treatable and having to take a step back. And I had to definitely take a step back. I had to start um, focusing, you know, on breathing, on meditating, on just walking away from work and closing my laptop. And I wish someone had taught me that because I went through two years of poor health and you'd never know when that tipping point is. It just, one day it switched and yeah, it, it takes a little bit to, to learn how to step back. It must've been such a scary moment in your life because here you are trying to build your business, not realizing that the stress of building your business and going it alone and transferring over from having that secure income into, you know, now I know this is a great model for me, but how do I get to that point? We tend to sell our souls, you know, essentially, which is what was happening clearly with yourself in terms of just wanting and having this desire for the business to work and then finding yourself so stressed out. So you talked about meditation, which I think is fantastic. And I was going to ask you, how do you reset as a business owner? Reset, probably just making sure that I'm actually taking time off on my weekends Mm -hmm. or at least some time off during the week. And I remove my, my emails from my phone or just completely shut off my phone completely. I, I do have my phone pretty much all the time on do not disturb. No one can call me. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. (laughs) And setting boundaries, I think is really, really important. It took me a long time to learn that, but pretty much, like I said, my clients, no one can reach me unless they book a book, an actual call with me. I'm not responding to uh, emails on the weekend. And if I am, they're scheduled for Monday morning. These just little kinds of things, making sure that, yeah, you just have some sort of system, some sort of boundaries in your business. And I know being either new in business or only in business a short time, it does take time to set up. Um, And it is a bit of hard work, but it really is worth it in the long run. And I notice you have a lot, you know, you talk about clients not necessarily just being able to reach you at a whim and having those systems in place. You obviously have a lot of automated systems that just make that flow very easy for you to be confident enough to turn off the phone, have that do not disturb and know that you don't have to be checking your emails all the time. Talk to me a little bit about the automations 
in your business that have served you the best? So probably the one place where I thought I always had to be on was when I had new leads coming in. (laughs) And because obviously what you're told when you have a new lead, you have to get back to them really, really quick. You know, you gotta be, you gotta be on top of it because they're looking at everyone else. I was getting a lot of leads coming in. I'd respond to them straight away. They'd either ghost me or I'd get on a call with them and they would say I'm too expensive, which if you're a service provider, you know how much that hurts getting on that call and you spent 20 (laughs) minutes with a client and then they say that, or with a lead and they say that you're too expensive. It's really gut wrenching. (laughs) So on my onboarding process, what my clients would know is that they fill out my contact form and they automatically receive a reply saying, I'm busy working with my clients. I don't want you to have to wait for all the information. So here's my services guide. It's going to outline, you know, starting costs. And then here's a link, book a call. And just that, that that one little trick, it sounds so simple, but I don't have to always be on. And someone, that next point of contact is up to that person and they're booking it. So I have time in advance to prepare to speak to them. Yeah. And I love the fact that that transparency of the pricing, you're going to weed out those that either think you're too expensive Mm-hmm. or then just not ready to take on that. But those that you know show up in the end have shown up with full knowledge of exactly what it is or what it's going to take from a cost perspective, time perspective, how the services are outlined. I think that I think a lot of business owners, especially in the service industry, could do that. I remember there was a time where even for my own business, you know, there was this whole, do you put your service costs on your website? Do you not? I'm all about full transparency. And I normally would always have, you know, either because mine's a little bit different in terms of some of the packages that I put together, that I'll put a starting cost as opposed to just a, a solid cost. But I still think, again, it just weeds out those that aren't interested in that starting cost or aren't interested in that price point. So I think, I think that, yeah, I can see how that would really work for you. I, I think I, one of the main problems that I have people come to me is they say, I hate getting on a call and, and wasting my time. And this is mm. the best way to do it. I have my starting rates on my website, but I have my packages broken down more in this services guide that they receive automatically. And it also takes away from me wasting up space, valuable real estate on my website, talking about deliverables, yep. because again, deliverables aren't important. They're not what what's going to sell. So I've taken up that space in my services guide that they receive once they've filled in the information. And obviously this isn't, this doesn't work for every single ser- service provider. I do know, especially photographers, I know photographers like to have their prices on the website with you know, what's included because they do get those questions. Just test. It's really important that you're trying what kind of onboarding process is going to work for you and your clients. But again, that comes down to sitting down and thinking about where are my holes? Where are my problems in my onboarding process? And then how can we make this easier for both me and my client? Can I ask you, what would you do differently in your business journey? Now that you've been in it for a little while, what would you have done differently? If at all, there may not have been anything that you do differently besides the stress factor. Yeah, (laughs) probably I would have asked for help sooner in my business. I have been really good up until probably the past this year. I'm asking for help and I've just started actively working with a business coach and I've just 
what I've done in the past three months compared to what I've done in the like eight months prior is just, it's insane. It's, it's completely different. And knowing in your business when it's the right time to invest and actively sitting down and and actually planning where those, where that's going to fit in your business. That's probably the biggest mistake I've made, at least in the past year is just Mm -hmm. knowing when to ask help and not waiting so long, just because I'm scared of making that, that investment. Yeah, I think an investment like that is always, you know, we, we think about our business model, especially from a financial perspective, and we go immediately to, no disrespect to anyone, but we go to logos and we do go to websites and we do, and they certainly serve their purpose. Don't get me wrong. The investment has to be there. But I also think when you're wanting to grow your business or you're wanting to move that needle, just that extra bit in your business, being able to say, what do I need as a business owner? And then being able to translate that into finding the perfect person to be able to guide you, get you over the line and work with you. It's it's hard. And, you know, again, I don't want to separate the sexes in any shape or form, but I find that women are resistant to spending money on themselves. They, you know, they work so purposefully to, to validate their business, to create a business model that works themselves that they don't look at what they really need to move that so it's really great to hear that you've found someone that works you've you've found the right person I'm sure that wasn't easy I'm sure you had to go through and work out exactly what you needed to identify for yourself to know what you wanted to do and it's it's very similar to the work that you ask your clients I guess what they want from their website so that you can then provide them with the best solution for them yeah, exactly. Can I ask you what piece of advice you would impart onto those wanting to start a business in general? Um, someone and you can't say wanted- don't do it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It would be really hard to start again. I've had this conversation with other business people and it'd be really hard to to do it all again. Like one, I'm happy I'm here, but that first initial like drive you have at the beginning, it would be hard to restart it. But for someone who's just starting, just connect with other business owners. I find that was what made me take the step. I have a lot of friends who are not business owners and they say they're going to start, they're going to start, they're going to start, but they don't because they're not surrounded by them. They don't Mm. see it in their everyday life. So if you don't have friends that are business owners, join Facebook groups, Facebook groups, great way to see what other people are doing, where they're making mistakes, where they have questions, uh, where you can ask questions, just Build some sort of community, whether that's outside or or online. I think that's really the only way you're going to ever get started. I love that. That's so valuable. So valuable. That community, because it's a really different road that you walk. Like, and it's, unless you're in it, it's hard to describe it because there's so many things that are lonely about it. There's so many things that you feel disconnected from. And just being able to connect with those that are, are going through that sa- those same pain points and have been able to overcome it even and get the right advice that they want, that you need to be able to move your business. That's really great advice. And what about, what's the one piece of advice you'd give someone for websites? It would be to come to you, surely. <laughs> 100%. Well, if they're DIY. That's me, can- which I'm not going to be for much longer. <laughs> That's for sure. 
<laughs> well, if they're DIYing, I might have something for them in the coming months where we're I launching do. like a, a coaching program showing you how to build your website on WordPress. Because wow. I know it's really hard to make that step across if you don't have any experience in it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, either DIY yourself or if you want to think of your business in the next five to 10 years, usually that route is going to be on WordPress. So give me a follow and keep updated with this. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Sorry, just on that. Can I ask why WordPress? Because I'm curious because I'm on Squarespace. I was on WordPress and I know you and I have had this conversation before, but can you just give us some of your your knowledge as to why WordPress is going to be the most robust for us to work towards? So usually when someone comes to me and they want their website to do something, they struggle when they have something else Mm -hmm. and there's not that flexibility that they need. Usually WordPress is the way to go. And also just having a website that looks on top of its game with the rest of the competition, usually they're WordPress websites. Look, I every all the other builders, it's really worth evaluating and see what's going to work best for you. Yeah, Web, Website builders like Wix are usually, you're going to have to rebuild it in the next few years. Squarespace is totally doable to get that sort of customized look, which we've talked about. You need mm. like a, a bit of code to do it. Um, And it can almost get a little bit more complicated, but just as a business as a whole, if you are, you know, looking at growing for the next 10 years, having the ability to have a a platform that's going to be flexible with you is really important. And WordPress is not as complicated as everyone thinks it is. I just find most people come to me and they've, they've struggled. They've tried to either do it themselves or they've had someone else use something that's just not working for them. And there are ways now, especially in 2021 and 2022 of building a WordPress website. That's easier for people that are, are just doing it themselves. And that's why my course is coming up because I want to show people how they can do it. (laughs) That was one of the reasons, and I know I've told you this before, but that was one of the reasons why I moved from WordPress is because I had someone design my website. It feels like a hundred years ago, but it was like 10 years ago when I first started out in business and it was beautiful. Like mm-hmm. my, my coloring or my branding has a lot of black in it. And so she built this beautiful black website that looked so striking and I got great reviews from it and feedback. But the minute one thing changed, it broke. Mm-hmm. The black broke every single time. And so it turned me off a little bit, even though everything I heard about websites led to WordPress. And I just kind of went, I can't have that anymore because it was just, it was costing me a lot of money to get it fixed every single time. You know, I was told, well, if you want a black website, that's what happens. So you have to pay that extra to be able to repair it. And I can see the look on your face <laughs> saying that's possibly not true. <laughs> so that's why I went with Squarespace because I was able to, to change things very easily, which I guess leads me to the question that I'm curious to know if I was to participate in, you know, adding blogs or adding something like a new podcast episode, for example, to my website, WordPress is flexible enough to have your clients be a part of that process rather than having to call on someone every single time they want a small change. Is that Is that what I'm led to believe now? Yeah. So the thing about WordPress is we have to think about WordPress is just like a general, like there's, and there's WordPress.org, which is what we're talking about, not WordPress.com. I'm always WordPress.org. Oh, I didn't realize there was a difference. Yeah. So WordPress.com doesn't have near the, like it's a 
yeah, it doesn't have near the functionality. WordPress.org is who we're going with. I think I was .com, yeah. actually. No. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. So, And WordPress.org, we have to remember there are thousands and thousands of plugins. And most web designers are these days. We're using builders within .org to make your actual website. And those builders are what's, you know, creating it all. So, and the reason I use a builder, I, I have developers on my team. We could, you know, we could easily just jump in there and just completely code the whole thing for you and make this beautiful website that's, you know, it looks great, but then my clients can't get in there and they can't do anything. And mm. especially as a small business owner, lots of people want the flexibility. They want to be able to do it themselves and they want it to be really simple. So we use builders and there's, there's plenty of them. The top two in the market right now are Elementor and Divi, and they just make it easy for anyone to jump in and, and do it themselves. I was a Squarespace designer originally. And mm-hmm. I uh, was working with an SEO expert and he said, look, if you want your websites to rank the way our websites do, you need to go to WordPress. And I learned Elementor and WordPress in under a week. And wow. yeah, so I, I just made that switch really quick and it was, it was well worth it. Like just the, the flexibility that I have for my clients in the long term for their business when they come to me, you know, we can just go and add something and add a plugin and we can make that functionality that they need and we can just do it like that. I want to ask you, how long does a website last essentially? If a client comes to you, you guys build a good base foundation for them. They can add and adjust as they go through the motions. But how long would a website really last in terms of? Well, we're going to have to think about long-term, like what's happening to the internet. (laughs) Of course. What's happening behind the scenes with blockchain and all of that. We don't know what will happen, but hopefully with your, your website should last your branding and your offer that you have. So, you know, I usually am saying to everyone, we're hoping for that five to 10 year mark. But the thing about WordPress is if you do change something, you know, abruptly, if you have all those blog posts, well, we just take all of that data, we export it across to your new website, and then we can just redesign it as we need. So when you're building on wordpress.org, you can, you know, pull whatever you need from that website. So if you have an e-commerce store, you can pull it across. If you have a blog posts, we can pull it across. You can pull across what you need, put it into the next website, and then just redesign it how you need it to be. And it's just going to save you on that added labor of, you know, manually moving everything across. Oh, wow. Five to 10 years. Okay. Got to look into that. But if it's, I guess if it's right, then it should have that. And even if your offer changes slightly, you can tweak it. Update images, I'm assuming is one of the things that you would recommend to continue the longevity of a a website and and having those professional images. Mm -hmm. Well, images done. 10 years is probably a bit long. Hopefully, oh, okay. hopefully five years, you know, like you're, you're investing, you're investing in your business. I mean, if you're, you're making this large investment, it's really important that it's, it's future proof, right? So we want to make sure mm. that it is growing with your business. And that's why I do spend a lot of time, you know, in that initial planning phase that's so important yeah. and, and thinking about your future goals for your business. Like we do talk a lot about that with my clients, because we need to make sure that we're in line with how that's going to go. And, you know, we're planning for the future. What are we going to add? What are we going to take away? Like how, how's your website going to look in those five years? Speaking of time, thank you so much for taking the time to spend with me today and imparting your amazing knowledge. I can't wait to work with you myself. So I'm very, very excited about the new year for that. But I'm going to put in the show notes some things for the listeners that they can download. I'll also put in there details where people can find you. 
and so they can access you and the wonderful knowledge that you'll continue to impart. So thank you again, Em, for spending some time with me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks so much for having me. This is awesome. And that's it, guys, for another episode of the boring shit you need to know about business. I'm Amy Bajada, and I'll see you next time.